welcome to season 8 of Delving Into Dance. After two years, we keep going, and it is crazy to think that we're now reaching over 15,000 people. The aim has been to profile the diversity of dance from the legends like Elizabeth Cameron Delman, Meryl Tancard, to current artistic directors David McAllister, Raphael Bonicella, Lucy Guerin, Anouk Van Dyke, to writers with Deborah Jowett, Judith Mackerel and Jane Desmond. Dancers and independent artists Beck Reed, Thomas Fenua, Chase Johnsey, Harper Walters and so many others. Thank you for joining on the journey and stay tuned for this season, which will explore new and wonderful dancers and dance artists. Delving into dance relies on the support of you, the audience. And while we all love something that's free, if you can contribute a little bit of money, we can ensure that this project continues to promote, celebrate and archive the diversity of dance practice. This episode is with dancer, choreographer and teacher Bridget Fisk. Based in Manchester but working across continents, I spoke to Bridget in her home before she headed to Australia to work on trustees opening at Malthouse for Melbourne Festival. I started by asking, where did dance start? Dance started for me, if I was to think, uh, kind of... Not on um, an emotional level, but on the, the my kind of my first point of contact um, with with dance, because um, I don't remember a huge amount in my family in my youth. I remember stories of my grandparents um, being avid dancers, um, and they were both from um, Manchester, and so would in the. Um, 40s and 50, no, when did they leave? 52, they left England and migrated to Australia. So I I knew stories of them dancing, Um, but actually um, we were living on a farm in Stanhope, so Kyabram was the closest, slightly larger town, and um, I went to a class with um, a teacher... Bruce Fentham, I think his name was, Um, and apparently the doctor had advised my mum that that would be good because I was slightly what would have been termed pigeon-toed on the left-hand side. So at about the age of six, some dance would support um, creating some kind of change, strength, stability to maybe correct that in my body. So that was the first time and the reason why I entered into um, entered into a facilitated dance space, a led dance class. Um, but I didn't stay. I actually chose to um, leave that space and then I tried again something when I was about eight for a little bit, um, but it didn't it didn't stick either. I left for whatever reason. Um, and then the, the real desire came when I was about 11 or 12. Um, and it was, it was a, a mo- the, the emotional desire really brought itself forward. Um, and so then I um, 
found a way to dance in the community that I was living in, in rural Victoria. Um, my, we found a dance teacher, um, Jackie Cornman, and, um, and Susan Ecott in Echuca. And for the next kind of seven years or thereabouts, um, dancing through what they offered was, was what I was doing. Yeah. So came and it came up and it went away and it came back and yeah. Did it fix your foot, your pigeon toe? Uh, <laughs> um, I still have less rotation on my left, <laughs> on the left side of my body if, if those things, but no, I'm no, I'm no longer um, inverted, on, no longer pigeon toed on the left, but still. The balance in the body isn't the same. I, I have um, I still have greater range of movement on the right side, yeah, wow. in my right hip than my left. Yeah, and sometimes I feel it wanting to wanting to go in still. So when did you decide? I mean, it's one thing to dance as a teenager, mm. but then to decide, oh, actually, this could be a career. This could be a job. This is what I want to study further. What was that driver? Um. Again, I would connect it back to something that was very much an emotional driver. Once I, once I started the feeling to want to do more with this and be with it more in my life became quite strong. Um, and I think initially um, I was thinking that teaching dance was a trajectory that I would potentially follow. But then the, the emotions got stronger and the desire got stronger and um, I, the desire to, to be doing and, and dancing myself. Um, I know when you're teaching or dancing, but if we talk about like a performance career, um, became much stronger. And then um, around the age of 15, there were some works that I started to see that really moved me. So between about the ages of 15 and 17, um, my eldest sister, um, uh, she um, gave me a VHS tape of Pina Bausch's work um, and I saw that and I went oh yeah right oh gosh okay so that's possible and to express like that is possible I went oh yeah okay right I see something in there that that felt um true for me or, or curious and then um also around the same time um I saw Mero Tankard's Furioso live um and that was a similar kind of thing so I was starting to see works um but then also um my my eldest sister Catherine Simmons who's a Melbourne-based um director she at the time was um, a performer in a company called Era in Melbourne and so Mm, maybe from a little younger, but around the same time I was starting to go and see their work. And so then seeing the work of artists like Tony Yap and so who was also in that company. And, um, and so there was just this kind of this gradual exposure and, and, um, two works that then 
something in me said yes to them, um, was inspired by them. And, and so, yeah, it was that, it was that timing of this, this emotional desire in myself becoming stronger to be dancing more and then seeing work and connecting with artists, um, who I really, um, obviously loved what they did, what I saw, what I experienced. Yeah. yeah. Kind of that simple, really. And so then going into study, like, into that career where there's where there particular turning points or particular paths that you took um, in that journey? Um, so I then, at the end of, um, at the end of high school, I then went up to Brisbane and um, studied dance at QUT. I was really um, aware that I'd actually started training technically um, quite late and that there was a lot of work that I needed to do um, in order to be able to have um, potentially the type of career and do the type of work that I was really inspired by. Um, so I just tried to start to do the work. Um, and so for a lot of the early years, it was about trying to work to, um, improve, um, my skill base and my understanding. Um, but also, um, but I was also really interested in choreographic practice as well. I always had been that that had been sitting there and coupling along with this desire to perform. And um, I was very um, fortunate that I felt like actually that was something that um, was being slightly um, nurtured in different ways, even from when I was a teenager. Opportunities that were um, I was supported to take on as a young person choreographing, um, choreographed at the school's Rocker Steadford. <laughs> but it's actually quite big, yeah? So, yeah. so I, you know, actually to have that kind of responsibility and to see how to work with that many people and work with that many peers and unfold a piece and I did that um in collaboration with two of my um two of my peers at the same age so three of us working together doing that and then when I was studying also developing that choreographic practice as well and then I was also still developing a teaching practice too so in many ways what was starting to unfold for me was this kind of that all those practices sat together and if I look back, they all still are together. And in any one, one kind of moment, I'm moving between all three of them. But in terms of kind of trajectories, I think one really clear moment was when I received um, an Australia Council foot in the door. Oh, well, there was this there was this period of um, funding from the Australia Council. They called it foot in the door. It was an emerging artists funding scheme. And so I um, went over to Buzz and I spent time in development with Buzz with Paige Gordon and that was that was someone that I I wanted to work with 
as a choreographer and then after that time joined the company so that was that was I think um you know that was a moment where you go ah oh, there's something that I would really like or that's a way that could support that unfolding so kind of took that proactive choice of approaching Paige about supporting that application and then going and doing that so yeah that would I think be one of the first kind of yeah going back to that question which yeah, well, about pe- people talk about those opportunities yeah. all the time and those little windows mm. or those little you know those like steps in a ladder mm. that just help reinforce or get more experience open a new door change the path slightly and i think that comes up quite a lot when people talk about their experiences what would you have wished you knew then that you know now if you're a younger dancer um are there particular things or even studying are there things that you wish you had been told or well it and i guess i want to um just articulate that these aren't priorities for me in dance in terms of what um i um, value about dance. Um, what I value in dance is is beyond the beyond the technical and not related to to that on some levels. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna. That's an edit moment. Let me find this one. This one's a little bit around. Um, for me, dance is about what it's doing with people, for people. Um, and what it's expressing but um, as someone who loves to be and work with my body um, and discover what its possibilities or my my possibilities for expression or who just loves moving in a whole host of different ways um, I wish when I was younger I had um, the I had that detailed anatomical understanding of the body and how the body moves efficiently um, and how that efficiency and sometimes the smallest and simplest of pieces of knowledge knowledge about the um, about the body about its architecture about its stacking points about how things can move efficiently. I wish I had that earlier because um, once I started to discover that, and I don't think it's not because that information wasn't there. It wasn't that I wasn't working with fantastic um, artists and teachers who weren't not offering that information. I just wasn't able to uh, understand it on all the levels that I understand it now. I wish I'd been able to understand it sooner because once I, I feel that moment when I did start to understand and actually how that um, unlocked a lot of things and unlocked some greater power but also some greater ease at the same time. Um, and that was really great because I was working so hard, 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 and then I'm like, I don't have to work like that. I can have these. I, now, once I understood the information, I became um, free to be easier but more 
more kind of powerful, and I use powerful in a whole host of different ways, more kind of, yeah, yeah. So I wish that. I wish that. So where's that point then that you get where you feel comfortable with what you have and your offer? Maybe it's maybe science. It, no, yeah, I'm maybe thinking. It's a great. It's a good. It's a good question because it's really important. Um, and as someone who works a lot with young people, um, it's something that I'm hearing in your question. Something that also I know I'm I'm supporting young people through, or you know, with in terms of that kind of um, value of self and and what you have is everything that you need and it is more than enough and you know let's be with that and let's discover the possibilities of that so um so it's a really it's a really important question for me to answer for myself um I I have a feeling I was probably around about 27 28 when I went when I think there's a a few a few things um I think some of the the things I had been working with the information I'd been working with settled on some kind of more embodied level so there was a kind of like just this kind of drop this kind of um settling of that information which then um and once I kind of felt settled with that it's not doesn't mean that you're not still seeking and questioning and discovering but I think I felt felt more grounded in in what I knew about myself um um on on that level but then um from a But then on other levels from, from an expressive or a creative um, space, I don't think I ever, of course I worked, but I wasn't, I didn't have those same sort of kind of um, doubts or questions about enough or, you know, that. I think that, that I always felt quite empowered on that level if I'm mm. going to talk about kind of my own empowerment and 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 so um yeah it was more so that that was always okay that always was okay but yeah I think probably about 27 28 when some when that kind of those years of working felt like they'd finally kind of mm. dropped yeah I asked because I was talking to a young dancer recently and in a, in a um, moment of real honesty they said to me I feel like I'm always comparing myself to other people mm-hmm. and I'm in class I'm looking in the mirror and I, I know I can do it and I'm doing it as well as anybody else but I can't help but you know feel that I don't have it yet mm-hmm. and I just it, it's hard for me to have that conversation because I don't come from that you know practice based mm-hmm. um, space just that idea of feeling like you land in it and that you feel comfortable with mm. what you've got. And, and yeah, and I think it's this thing and um because the world is full of fantastic artists and um and I think potentially and there there is a point where um 
part of that kind of grounding comes from knowing that the world is full of fantastic artists and that you actually can, um, you have agency in designing your own career as well and that your career isn't about waiting for someone else to affirm what you do by offering you a job working with them that you can actually you can design your own career um because you know there's great artists and there's great work and it all needs to exist and it should all exist and I think also getting to a point of also being really clear with that notion for myself um was also I think a part of it um yeah yeah that didn't take away that there was work I would really love to do and that I would look at going I'd really love to be a part of that that would be a really great experience um but you get also to the point where you go okay so what is it about that experience that I'm drawn to that I see something in that I'm inspired by what is it doing well is there another way I can have that experience and can I design that experience for myself and in designing it for myself discover things that maybe I wouldn't have discovered that way Mm. um but I've also um and this is also a time thing as well I've noticed that the that you're working and you you have I've noticed I have things that I'm identifying would be experiences I'd really love to have or ways of working I'd really love to engage with or things that are kind of priorities in work. And what happens is that one doesn't come forward, but something which is in a line with what is the underbelly of what that other thing is does and it brings a whole set of things that you I could have never imagined would have unfolded in my lifetime as well. So, yeah. What are some of those things? Um, I think my work with Belarus Free Theatre is one of those things. Um, it, it was, um, it wasn't something, um, that I went looking for or applied for. It was through um, meeting people that a relationship formed and the opportunity to work um, on one of their projects unfolded, that invitation to to go in and work with them on a project. Um, and then, and that's almost six years later now, and working with them has been a massive part of my journey over the past six years. Um, and that was, yeah, that wasn't something that, um, that I, that I saw, um, cause I was looking at other things, but the underbelly is there and I've had some incredible um adventures and 
been very privileged to work with them as as artists um, and to be involved in bringing forward the stories um, that their work brings forward um, and to travel those stories around the world and to engage with um, and witness what engaging with um, that content means for audiences as well. Um, so that would that would definitely be one. For context, do you want to talk a little bit about um, their work, the politic of the work, and I guess the conversations that it does spark? Yeah. So the um, context that for people who might not be familiar. Sure. Sure. So um, Belarus Free Theatre, uh, uh, underground theatre company in Belarus. Um, Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, is often described as Europe's last dictator. So um, they work under um, oppressive conditions. Um, and um, the, the work that I've been making with them has um, been bringing forward um, a few different subject matters. So... The first piece of work I made with them was looking at issues of capital punishment, which still exists in Belarus, um, with an extensive amount of human rights abuses also with, within that, um, and, um, and humanity's capacity for violence against each other. Um, and so the work does bring forward things in, um, in a documentary context, um, in a verbatim context, but also then in other expanded um, visual, aesthetic um, ways as well. Um, and then also um, a work, Red Forest, which was looking at the impact of man-made um, an environmental disaster on vulnerable communities um, because a new nuclear power plant was being built in Belarus, but yet they received such a huge amount of the fallout from Chernobyl um, and to stand up and have voice against that isn't possible. Um, that freedom of expression is quashed in, in Belarus. Um, and then um, the most recent work that I've made with them, Burning Doors, is looking at the experiences of three um, artists within the Russian penal system. So um, the works are... Um, They've always been very current, something which is very present of that moment. Um, the work does bring significant um, attention to those to those issues and is about bringing that forward and and having those um, those things heard and and to move people into um, action into um, being aware and then being able to um, do something mm. about that as well. And as you say, the company kind of operates very underground um, and externally from Belarus as well. Yes, yes. Have you been to Belarus? Um, I have visited Belarus, yes. Um, it was important for me to, um, to see the context um, of, of the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, as you said, the company does um, 
the artistic directors um, along with um, the uh, associate director um, had to flee um, a number of years ago. So they are in the UK um, and the company does have have um, that infrastructure here and does exist here, um, but with the permanent ensemble um, existing underground and functioning underground in Belarus. So you said when you went to university there were three strands that kind of continue in your work. Mm. So um, another one was teaching. Do you want to talk a little bit about that space that you work in? And Yeah, so um, it's always been a part of what I have done from um, from working in um, different types of um, contexts with young people from in education contexts um, from uh, so as a guest artist or as someone coming in in primary and secondary contexts to um, working in um, higher education um, in tertiary level training um, on a whole host of spectrums as well um, through to then a lot of grassroots community engage- engagement work um, and then a lot of work um, with the Centre for Advanced Training in Dance at the Lowry, which is a pre-vocational training program for young people. So it's young people from the northwest of England who access that, um, and it's a really fantastic scheme where they um, it's means-tested, which means that a young person can be accessing really great training and be inquisitive and want to discover and learn about what it might mean for them to develop as an artist. Um, so, it, yeah, it works kind of in between all those spaces, really, um, and which is really nice. Um, but something that I do start to, um, and I am starting to ask myself very distinctly about is, what is the through line through all of that? So going from um, working with a group of professional performers somewhere in the world, um, training them and, and, um, and even in my work as a choreographer and as a rehearsal director with professional artists and, and then getting off the plane and walking into a studio with four-year-olds, um, you know, and so then, you know, getting on a bus and, and going and working with a group of young people who um, have um, some big challenges in their lives. Um, so what is that? through line and I'm actually I don't have an answer to it yet (laughs) but one thing that I am really um trying to do is maybe define what that through line is and maybe I can even name it um and the through line is not just me there is there is another it's a through line of some of a practice or a methodology of some sort so I am kind of doing some work on how I can spend some time to maybe identify that and maybe give it a name and maybe it doesn't cover everything I do, but maybe there is this an underbelly of some sort of methodology. So that's kind of exciting at the moment. Is that to important point. to articulate your practice in that way or to have that 
language or, or that through line? Or what's the desire for that um, through line? The desire for that is um, to be able to talk... Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be able to articulate a little bit more clearly out into the world about what I do um, because to just, to, not to just, but to say I go from this to this to this to this to this to this doesn't help people necessarily understand what the practice is um, and what is actually unfolding in the space. Um, and what is the meaning of that work and what impact does it have? Um, so it's really coming from a desire to be able to communicate back out to the world so that I can be a bit more understood on some, on, on some levels. Of course, the people I work with understand me, the people who engage me to do the work um, understand me, but to be able to to give that a bit of a, a, a name. And, and I'm also quite interested to, for myself, understand what 20 years of practice means too, mm. rather than to keep kind of, of course I keep going, 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 but um, for myself to go, ah, what, what has this 20 years of practice meant and what are the things that have, have stayed and, and why have they stayed? Why have you, by, you know, conscious, um, you know, subconscious, whatever factors, why have those things stayed and what are they doing so that then I can, then I can even be better in the space with people as well and I can, I can know what I'm drawing on even more clearly and maybe have some more strategies in there as well or maybe kind of go, oh, there's this thing that I do. I really like that. Actually, how could I do that more and how could I do that thing better? There's something really powerful about being able to articulate your practice in a way that is almost like that elevator pitch where you can go, I do this, and it's kind of neatly sum, summarised for somebody who go, oh, okay, that makes sense, and they can put you neatly into a box. I don't know if what I'm coming up with fits in a box very well. <laughs> so at the moment, the best thing um, that I have found to articulate this, and it was only through hearing myself say something enough when I'm, you know, somewhere and people say, so what is your work like? And I'm like, oh, well, I think what I do is I respond. I respond to people, place, context need, aspiration, and I bring forward everything that I can of what I've experienced and work out also what I don't know and go and work, you know, work out if that's needed, how to bring that forward. And um, I just try and do the best I can. <laughs> that doesn't sound like much at all. But then I'm, I'm now I'm actually wondering if, if there is something more in this notion of responsiveness and if if I can kind of spend a bit more time with that, then actually what is its relationship to agency and empowerment and if those three things actually, you know, and maybe even able, maybe even being able to say 
my practice is about being responsive and it is about being uh, identifying, you know, where and how agency and empowerment exists within something that is happening and that's the underbelly. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what the practice, you know, like what we're actually going to do in the space exactly if we're going to talk about movement, yeah, but they're going to be the underpinning things that we're seeking and maybe that's enough. Yeah, then you've got another 20 years of practice to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to pull it, it all together. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's something that's come out through um, through the all the years of kind of, of teaching and facilitation work. Um, I actually am um, trying to um, use the word facilitation a lot more than teaching in terms of articulating what I do, even though... At times in my life, I'm very clearly facilitating a contemporary technique class and I am bringing forward the pathways and the sequences of movement. Um, Yeah, I'm actually um, trying to take out the word teaching from what I do. For Do you think that's a more dynamic or diplomatic, not diplomatic, but a more... um... Does that invite a level of playing field or what's the... Um, I think um, it's because I feel like in a space, even if I am bringing forward a sequence of um, movement, pathways and I am sharing the knowledge that I have from my experience and practice as to what might support someone to find their way to be in and with that um I'm not that person who's receiving that um I can't know 100% how, what that means for them and 100% how they work with that. So I feel like I can offer things that create experience and share information, but it's that individual that, that then needs to um, feel like they have the agency to be with that and discover that for themselves it doesn't mean I'm not sharing a lot of information all the time (laughs) talking 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 and then we can think about this and we can think about that we could think about this and maybe this image might be useful for you or maybe why don't we try it this way or if you just bring your attention to this see what that does but then ultimately they're choosing what works for them and how they want to be with it yeah so it kind of gives more space for them to construct their own dancing identity as well yeah yeah. Without kind of being too prescriptive about what's right and what's wrong and what's... Yeah. And then there's so much space then for me to be surprised too. For me to go, my goodness, look at how that person, you know, took those things that were offered and what they did with it. And I love that. I love being surprised, completely surprised. And... Um, for me, then, it also feels um, like a greater, um, 
I last night, um, some of the young people I was working with, they had um, their and their final performance for the year, and um, I actually said to them as we were kind of talking after warm up, we were all there, and all the other facilitators and and tutors were there, and staff were there. Um, I actually found myself saying to them that when I come and work with them, that this is about the dance, but it's also beyond the dance, that they remind me constantly how important dance is in our humanity. And I feel like by creating, um, by offering a space where people can, and that was a really nice way that you described it, kind of self define their dancing identity then um, I get to be a human being in the space also um, in wonderment and and in exchange and in yeah lots of other things as well Um, yeah and just expressed that um, you know that yeah about the humanity of dance and and um, what what I really feel dance does for our humanity when we're with it and in it and when I see them and what it's doing for them as young people to be dancing as as human beings to be dancing what that is doing so that's you know that's beyond the dance the dance is supporting them discovering those things about themselves but Mm. you know it's about what it's doing for them as as human beings thanks for listening you'll find a list of episode notes on the website www.delvingintodance.com Delving Into Dance is on Twitter, Facebook and iTunes and as always it's wonderful to get your reviews and comments Thank you for all your support in the latest fundraising campaign We're still seeking donations and you can contribute if you have not already on the website Delving Into Dance acknowledges the support of the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria Stay tuned for new episodes soon And until next time, take care.